Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Rebecca Chen. I'm one of the partners with Ready and Newman. I'll be conducting the conference call for today. Um, Leo, can you start our first uh, question, please? Sure. Puneet Gupta? Hi, are you able to hear me? Yes, go ahead. Uh, I have a question regarding concurrent H1B filing. So uh, if your concurrent H1B petition gets, uh, for example, if it gets rejected, does it impact your primary H1B in any way? And uh, the second question is like, if you mention it as part-time and mention it as as a range of hours, like 20 to 40, will you be able to work full 40 hours in case if you mention it? Yeah, so for your first question, if for some reason the concurrent H-1B filing is denied, it would not have any impact on the underlying H-1B. You can continue working according to that petition if it's still approved. And then for the part-time, full-time question, um, yeah, so if you do list a range of hours on the application, then you can work within any amount of hours in that range per week. So if you can, if uh, like, is this possible to mention as part-time and still uh, uh, work like 20 to 40 as give as range and work 40 hours? So on the LCA, you do have to mark it as part-time or full-time. Um, it doesn't have an option to mark both or kind of an in-between situation. So I believe the definition of full-time um, according to kind of federal regulations is 35 hours per week. So if it is intended to be anything less than that, um, I would mark it as part-time on the LCA and then put a range on the actual I-129 form. Okay, and you can work 40 hours in that case. Um, yes, if, if the range. range is listed as up to that. Okay, and in case if like, uh, uh, if this concurrent, uh, if you uh, lose your job on concurrent filing, uh, is there any, uh, uh, and you continue your job on primary, then you are still maintaining the status, right? Yes. There is no yes, need to be. worry. If... Yeah. Okay, sure. Okay. Thank Next you so question? much. That's all. Sure. Ashkara? Hey, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Yes, I can hear you. Oh, I think you, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I have two questions. I'm planning to visit India in February or March. So now we have 48 months expiration for Dropbox, right? Mm -hmm. So if I apply, like my visa expired on last July. So if I go in, but I'm seeing that option is available till December 31st, 2021. So if I go in next February or March, 
like uh, does my visa yeah. comes under same category or we don't know yet at this time the four year eligibility for the dropbox is only through only for people applying through the end of this year december 31st um the government hasn't announced if they're going to extend it into next mm -hmm. year yet our guess is that they most likely will kind of the reason why they gave the four year extension for the dropbox anyway was because the consulates were so backlogged um, they're still backlogged. Uh, they, you know, haven't gotten back to normal capacity yet. So our guess is that they will extend it, but at this time, it's not confirmed yet. So if you're trying to, um, you know, schedule something for the Dropbox in February or March, I believe at this time, the only option is to select an in-person interview, since that isn't confirmed yet. You may be able to switch it to the Dropbox after they announce something the Dropbox eligibility. Okay, but if I apply before December 1st, 31st, the, that will not come under that category, right? As I'm going for a Dropbox on next February or March. When does your current visa expire? July 2020. July 2020, okay. Yeah, the original rule was one year. So um, yeah. yeah, I would say right now, probably you can't select Dropbox. If you're scheduling it, before they make any announcement on whether they're going to extend it. Okay, so even if I select in-person, I can switch back to Dropbox if they extend this 48 months. Yes, right? you might be able to after they make an announcement on that. Okay, so is there any update? Are they going to uh, inform us soon? Or Hopefully soon, yeah, because it's expiring in the next month or so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we're hoping to hear something in the next couple of weeks. Okay, yeah, thank you. I have one more question. The second question is, can we apply H4 EAD prior to 180 days? Um, only if it's filed concurrently with an H1B application at the same time. Okay, like if my, uh, my H4 EAD is expiring on 2023, if I change my employer, like H1B change the employer now, so can I apply H4 and H4 EAD together? Still if it's have... filed concurrently. That's the only time when you can do it concurrently. Okay, if okay I change next it. question. Sorry, we'll have to move on to someone else because there are several okay. people in the queue. Mm -hmm. Ashwin. Hey, hi, Rebecca. Can you hear me okay? Yes, go ahead. Okay, uh, so my question is related to uh, uh, auto UD extension rule. Uh, so, uh, uh, my current visa uh, and my wife's current visa both are, you know, they have a stamp that is valid till uh, January 2022. Now I'm planning to have a trip outside uh, the US, like third uh, country, not my home country, since I have a, we both have valid visa. Okay. Uh, I, I know based on, and my H1B is approved and her H4 and H4 EAD is in process since I filed the concurrent filing. Mm -hmm. So at the port of entry, I mean, I will be at the mercy of CBP officer to get H4 I-94 extension and or there is a, such any rule that, okay, he has to do it since my H1B is uh, approved. They should. So you should bring your current H1B approval, which is only valid until January 2022, plus the most recent extension approval when you're traveling back to the U.S. Um, based on that, CBP for the most part does issue the H4 and 94 matching the end date of your extended H1B. So they should give the H4 and 94 until January 2025. 
if that's okay. what's on your yeah. extension. Yeah, because I, I spoke to CBP officer, one of the CBP officer, and they reverted that, okay, since H4 is in process, so they cannot match uh, the their date with my date. So that's not uh, technically true. Uh, we have heard some inconsistent reports from CBP uh, among some certain posts or officers, but in general, they should be able to give the end date matching the H-1B end date, even if there's an I-539 in process. Okay, sounds good. And one more thing, like if I have, a, and my change of employer is in process, uh, I mean, current employer has filed my H-1B, it has been approved and my change of employer is in process. So does that process impact all this planning? A little bit. If you have a transfer application pending, is it in premium processing? Uh, it is not yet started, but it is going to be soon started, but yet it would be in a premium. premium. Okay. If you are planning to travel soon, like in the next month or so, because you know, you're planning to come back mm -hmm. while your visa is still valid, mm -hmm. um, we usually recommend, if it's possible to for them to hold on filing the transfer until you are back in the U.S., we usually recommend that. It's possible for you to be outside the U.S. when they file the transfer. It just makes it a little tricky because when you come back in, you'll get a new I-94 from CBP that doesn't match the I-94 number they have submitted with the application. So there could be a mismatch, which it doesn't affect your status, but it could make it difficult for you to renew your driver's license or some other you know, benefits. So if they can hold, they can prepare the transfer application and have it ready but if they can wait to file it until you are back in the U.S., that's usually what we recommend. Okay, okay, Rebecca. And one last question regarding this uh, eligibility for Dropbox. Uh, since my H-1B is renewed, latest one is renewed in November, so will I be eligible for four years extension, uh, four years eligibility out of Dropbox? Yeah, so the Dropbox, the four-year rule is that if your visa expires anytime within the past four years, you can use the Dropbox. Okay, okay, great. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. All right, next question. Suresh Adepalli. Hey, Rebecca, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my question. I have a family emergency and I will have to travel to India. Uh, right now I'm on H-1B, uh, but I don't have stamp on my passport. And it has been a couple of years since I've been in India. And I have a, a, a downgrade petition, which is pending. Uh, my 140 is approved, but I still haven't my uh, AP or EAD card yet. Okay. So, so I'm planning for the emergency payroll, applying for the emergency uh, payroll. Um, so what would be the duration of the emergency payroll that they could allot it? Uh, if your priority date is not current right now, according to the final action dates chart, which has it retrogressed for if you file the downgrade, is it before 2012, basically? Or after uh, your party date? Mine is April 2013. 2013. Okay. Um, yeah, so they should issue you the EAD AP card for two years um, when your party date is not current. If it is current, they usually only give it for one year. Um, but right. yeah. That's for the regular e, uh, EAD AP, but I'm talking about the emergency payroll where I visit Same. the local. Two years. So they would give me for two years? Usually, yes, if your party date is not current. Okay. As far as I know, they don't shorten an emergency parole, um, advanced parole, just by virtue of it being an emergency application. 
Okay, because one of my friend had a similar situation and she said they gave her only 60 days uh, uh, on the emergency period. Um, it's possible. As far as I know, they don't do that. But if it is, yeah, it is always possible. Parole is discretionary anyway. So there's no guarantee that they always give you two years. I would say typically that's what we see. So uh, if I travel on emergency payroll and come back, uh, so what would be my uh, status like once I get back? So will I still be on H-1B or? No. Um, no. So technically you would be an I-485 applicant. Um, if your I-797 for your H-1B has not expired yet, technically you can get back into H-1B status if your employer files an H-1B extension for you. Um, but uh, at the time you come back in, you'll be an I-485 applicant. So, but will, I be able to, but will I be able to work uh, back? Um, if, when does your H-1B expire? Uh, uh, well, on the passport, it already expired, but like the 797, I have it like till 2023. Okay, yeah, you should be able to continue working once you come back in advanced parole. Okay. So, I mean, like, will I have like a gap for the uh, transition or can I work like uh, right ahead, right away? I would say you can work right away. Okay. So I'll, I had one more question. Sorry, I'll speak. need to go on to someone else because we do have a okay, lot of thank you. you. Thank you. Next question. Samaksh Kapoor. Yeah. Hi, Rebecca. So I had a question. So uh, my wife, uh, her passport expired and we uh, so her employer renewed her H-1B. So she has a renewed H-1B available. We we were trying to get her uh, appointment in Canada, but we got it for next year, November 2022. Okay. But in December, we are thinking of traveling to Canada uh, by land. So can we use automatic revalidation and come back by land? Will there be any issues? So, so her passport is renewed now? Her passport but... is renewed. Her, her, her H-1B is extended, but the, the, the stamp is not there. The visa stamp is not there. Okay. Uh, so she has an expired H-1B visa stamp in her passport. Yeah. And, um, but her H-1B status is extended? It's already extended. She has the extended I-797 for another three years now. Okay. Um. And so she, you, yeah, so can she go to Canada and come back on automatic revalidation? Uh, yes. We are going to, and so the only caveat is she has an appointment in Canada, US embassy in November 2022. Will that cause an issue? Technically not. If she's coming back before that, which you would need to yeah. for the automatic revalidation anyway, of 30 days. So the trip to Canada is not for purposes of like fixing status or anything. It's just no, it's okay. just recreational. Ten day okay. trip. We are back. Yeah, that's fine. Um, as long as the trip is less than thirty days. Um, and yeah, so she should okay. be able to return. And and by land should not be an issue, right? No, not anymore. So the um okay. travel ban for essential for non essential travel on the Canada Mex and Mexico borders is lifted also. Okay, and just 10 second question more. Uh, should we carry any documents for or to prove automatic revalidation when we enter United No, it should just be her H-1B I-797 approval notice with the I-94 attachment at the bottom of okay. the original one. So okay. we should have the original. 
Um, okay. That, that's pretty much it. Maybe like an employment verification letter to confirm that she's still working. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. Uh, next question. Thank you. Hi, Rebecca. Uh, my question is, uh, my husband has priority date on um, uh, 2013. Uh, he passed away a few years ago. Then my company filed my I-140, that is 2019. So my question is, can I put in his priority date? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, my understanding is that you won't be able to port his priority date um, to your I-140 application. Um, by chance was, so the I-485 was not filed for either of you previously? I want, no, no, we did only I-140 for both. Okay. Um, yeah, there is a provision that could allow a pending I-485 to continue even if the principal applicant passes away, but, uh, I don't think that there is a provision that would allow porting of his I-140 priority date to your I-140, unfortunately. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, next question. Ilima. Hi, Rebecca, thanks for taking my question. So this is related to visa stamping. My spouse has H-4 stamping currently till 2023, March. Uh, recently his H1 got approved. So we are planning for India trip wherein uh, we go to India, we have to go to stamping again for him. Like his one is uh, change of status. Mm -hmm. So in case if he get uh, any 221GR visa denial, can he come back on H4 stamping that is already there? Yes, that's fine. Um, yeah, his H4 visa stamp you said is still valid until 2023. Oh, so he can use that. It will be valid. It is still valid, right? Until 2023, that's what you said? Yes, yes. He has okay. H4 stamping yeah. on his passport. He can use that to come back if for some reason the H1B visa stamping has issues or takes too long. Okay. Yeah, I mean, even if he gets 221G, we can take the passport back and come back with H4 stamping. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people have done that. Um, you just have to be aware that once he comes back into the country in H4, um, if he doesn't have an EAD for the H4, he won't have work authorization. And so um, his H1B company can always file a change of status for him once he's back in the country from H4 to H1B so that he can return to work within a couple of weeks. But they do need to file that change of status in order to Put him back in each one. Currently, he has H4 EAD also. EAD is... Okay. Yeah, even if uh, if that EAD is also still valid until 2023, he can use it right away when he comes back in H4. Oh, okay. So here is my uh, last question. Like, once we decided to come back on H4 stamping, but his H1 got approved, then he can he use H1? I mean, he, he's coming if back. If he's on using the H-4 visa to enter the country, he will be in H-4 status when he oh. enters the country. If the EAD is not expired at that time, he can use that EAD to work. So there's no gap in work authorization. Yeah, but, but in order to, H1... get, to get back into H-1B status, the company will have to file another application. 
another but again he has to go through the lucky draw all those processes right? he doesn't need to go through the lottery again but the company oh. will need to file a change of status application oh, from page four right. to h1b but yeah he would not need to go through the lottery again. oh okay thank you sure next question samuel hey uh, thanks for taking my call so mm -hmm. uh, one of the employer um, i'm talking to like uh, they are like uh, they might ask me to join on a H1B uh, receipt. Uh, so, okay. so what are the risks uh, associated with this uh, at this point of time? Yeah, mainly if the H1B application gets denied and you have already joined that new company based on the receipt notice, um, unless you can return to your previous company and they haven't withdrawn the H-1B, you would be out of status as of the date that the transfer application is denied. So the main risk is potentially being out of status if the transfer application ends up being denied and you've already joined the new company. Um, are they filing it in premium processing? Uh, I'm not sure, I need to check with them. That... Yeah, if they are willing to file in premium or if they're okay with, if you're willing to pay the premium processing fee, um, that's one way to kind of minimize that risk. Um, if you're able to uh, put off your start date until there's a decision in premium processing, then you can join once there's confirmation of the approval. Um, or even if you join based on the receipt notice, premium processing is beneficial because if there is a denial for some reason, or there would be an RFE at least first, um, and you would receive that within two weeks. So you would have an idea of if you need to um, prepare for a potential denial. Okay, so if it is denied, uh, it is how long uh, we have, uh, we, we can stay in the country in the first case? Uh, technically, I would say if your previous company's H-1B has an I-94 attachment and that is not expired, then you could probably try using the 60-day grace period um, to have another application filed for you. That's a bit more of a gray area because the 60-day grace period is really meant for a situation where your current, your employment with your current employer terminates before the I-797 expires and you're supposed to get a 60-day grace period to change status, leave the country, or file another application to a different company. Oh. It's a bit more of a gray area whether oh. that applies in a transfer situation. Um, but I would say if you, even if it's not technically a grace period, if you can have another application filed usually within two months and the new company uses the nunk pro tunk argument, USCIS, they're not guaranteed to grant um, the approval, but for the most part, they're pretty lenient about excusing kind of the out of status time if it's less than two months. Okay, I have another quick question. Like uh, if uh, currently I'm on unpaid leave with the existing company, will it affect the transfer of employer H-1B transfer? Yes, it can, because you do have to include copies of your recent pay statements with your current employer, usually to prove that you're maintaining H-1B status. Um, so unless it is in kind of a approved leave for like, um, family leave reasons or disability, something like that. If it's pre-approved um, and documented, then we have submitted proof of, for example, um, maternity leave 
and with in sub as a substitute for pay stubs in a transfer application, and that has been accepted. If it's um, some other reason where the company doesn't have work for you and so they are not paying you, that is more problematic. And so um, I would probably discuss with an attorney, the, the attorney who's preparing your transfer application um, to make them aware of that because they may need to kind of discuss with the company about backup strategies in that situation in case the extension of status is not approved. Okay, thank you. Next question. Vasu Anagati. Hello. Yes. So yes. my uh, I-140 is approved with my employer. That time my designation was business analyst. Okay. And I left the company and I joined to the different company. And uh, then once again, I went back to my previous employer, but my designation is different right now. Uh, is that uh, having a, any impact on uh, I-485 processing time? What is your designation now? Uh, see, previously my SOC code is different and now SOC code is different. Previously okay. it was a business analyst, now it is a SAP consultant. Okay, and it's a different SOC code on your H-1B now? Yes, yeah. Okay. Um, is your I-485 filed yet? No, not yet. Okay. Um, it's relatively close, I would say. Even if it's a different SOC code, it sounds like the occupations are pretty similar. Basically, for I-485 purposes, in order for you to file the I-485 with this uh current employer, even with their I-140 that has the analyst designation for you, basically the company just needs to be willing to attest that they're still offering you that analyst position. You're not required to be in the I-140 position currently at the time that you're filing the I-485 because your H-1B position doesn't necessarily need to match the position in the I-140. The I-140 position is technically a future position that you would occupy when you receive the green card. So if the company is willing to kind of still offer you that analyst position, they may be able to just file, you may be able to still file the I-485 with the already approved I-140. Um, if the company is not willing to submit the J supplement, stating that they're still offering you the analyst position, if they are saying that they don't have that position for you anymore and that they only have the SAP consultant position for you now, um, they would need to do a new perm, basically, if that's what the company decides. Um, and so they would okay. need to basically start that from scratch. You could still port the priority date and retain your old priority date, but they would need to go through the whole year-long perm process again for the SAP um, consultant position. Okay. And the second question is, uh, so I am in H1B and my kid is H4 and he's uh, 12th grade uh, studying here. And he got some uh, maybe stipend. He did some project work or something. He got some stipend uh, approximately $150 or $200, whether he can use it or not. Was it? 
for employment that he did or any work that he did or no, is it he did the internship okay that's kind of um a gray area i would say to be safe it's probably best not to accept it if it's if it's in return for even if it's an internship that kind of looks like employment sort of um even if it's not exactly wages um if it's like a grant for college tuition that anyone can apply for that is usually not that's fine but a stipend is more um if it's in return for work done in an internship it's probably safest not to accept it while he's on h4 so we can return it correct to the amount it's a bit of a gray area i would say to be absolutely safe you can return it yeah okay thank you so much for your uh, help on this sure next question Vishal? Yes, hi. Uh, my question is regarding inter-filing. Okay. My priority date is January 20, 2012. Okay. So I am missing the EB3 final action date by five days. Yeah. So it is current for filing, but not current for final action date. Should I inter-file to EB2 now? to have a better chance of getting green card earlier or should I wait? Also given that the chat with Charlie session, uh, the Charlie said that he may not move or well, he is no longer in position, but he may not move EV3 at all in the entire fiscal year. Yeah, um, uh, if there's no significant immigration reform um, or other measures that are passed, I would predict that EV3 priority dates are not going to move beyond where they are now, potentially until September. Um, yeah, that's kind of hard to say. So your I-485 is filed and pending in the EB-3 category. Yes. Um, so it is current according to the final action dates chart in EB-2? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, so you could definitely interfile. Um, in the EV2 category while your priority date is current in that but, category. Uh, my, my lawyer said that uh, EV interfiling is completely unknown and you, they might pause the processing. Uh, they said, don't do anything because you don't know. So I just don't want to be in a situation where in a year from now, I'm still not current in EV3. Yeah. Um, in your case, it is kind of because your priority date is kind of right there on the edge it is a little more difficult to decide in that case it's correct that interfiling is kind of a it's a very unknown process it's a very uncertain process because it's not an actual form you don't get a receipt notice you don't get a receipt number that you can follow up right, but, but do they pause the processing because if it becomes current in eb3 well and good i my i-485 is already filed in that so if I ask them to interfile and they don't act upon it, I do I have anything to lose by filing to interfiling to EB2? That's the main question here. Yeah, the main thing is that interfiling, if it's successful, theoretically your I-485 should be approved pretty quickly because your priority date is current according to the final action dates chart in EB2. You have an EB2 approval. If you've 
gone through the biometrics, medical, all of that is already submitted. Yes. If they successfully match up the interfile requests to your actual file, they should be able to, there's no pause because if they match it up and they see you have an EB2 I-140 approval and EB2 is current according to the final action dates chart for you and medical exam is done, security check is done, everything is done, they should be able to theoretically approve it right away. So there's no pause there in processing. The problem is that it's difficult to know when and how long it takes for them to actually match up the interfile with your mm -hmm. 485 file. But it could then, take a year. It, but, you know, if it but then there is nothing to lose. If they don't match it, my EB3 is going as, as it is. If I don't do anything, then it's already going as it is. If they match up, it's good for me. If they don't mm -hmm. match up, it's not making it, things worse yeah, for me. That's true, yeah, because EB3 is not moving anyway. Yes. Yeah. So um, the only the only way that it could you might lose something is if EB three does move somehow and they have, but if but, but they EB two would not go back exactly. Yeah, so, we're not expecting EB two to go backwards. If EB three moves forward, then EB two most likely won't move backwards such that you're retrogressed in EB2 all of a sudden. So no, I, would say I don't, I don't see retrogression happening yeah. to my date because I'm just on the verge on the five mm -hmm. days. And right. EB2 is like an, a year ahead of my date now. Yeah. So I would say in your situation, there isn't really anything to lose. So okay. I would go ahead and try it. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye. Um, I'll take one more question, Leo. Um, yeah. Srinivas Ralapalli. Oh, uh, I think you're unmuted, but I'm not able to hear you. Is your mic working? Sorry. Yeah, sorry, I'm still not able to hear you. Raman? Yeah. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, go ahead. Thanks for your time. Uh, I actually have a question on a H4 uh, extension. My H1B is uh, valid till March 23, uh, 2023, and my wife's H4 is valid till uh, September 2022. Uh, we don't have our stamping. The stamping is expired, uh, both of us, in the, in the passport. So uh, my question is like, you know, uh, in March, we are supposed to uh, extend my wife's H4. She has a EAD2. So uh, we were thinking like, uh, we can't go to India. So it's like traveling to Mexico or Canada. And then, uh, you know, uh, is a stamping this record or we can go and come back and get the H4994. So uh, if you're talking about automatic revalidation, um, I don't think it will work for your wife in this situation. So automatic revalidation is where you have an expired visa stamp in your passport, but you have an I-797 approval notice in your name. Um, so your wife would need an I-797 approval notice in her name that is beyond, you know, that matches 2023, that matches your end date to be able to go to Canada or Mexico and come back in with, uh, the expired visa stamp. So she wouldn't be able to present your H-1B 
I-94 with an expired H-4 visa stamp and get the I-94 extension. So in your wife's case in that situation, she would need to get a visa stamp at a consulate first before she comes back. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, thanks, thanks for that. That's what I understand. Sure. Um, we can try uh, Srinivas again if your mic is working now. Sure. Srinivas? Yeah, hi, Rebecca. Thanks for okay. uh, taking my call again. Sure. Uh, are you able to hear me now? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. I have a couple of questions. Uh, one is like I applied my 485 a couple of months back uh, on concurrent filing for EB2 to EB3 downgrade. Um, I'm just, uh, I have to do uh, I-140 upgrade to premium. So before okay. that, should I do FOAI and uh, uh, get the document and then do it, or uh, can I do it directly to premium processing? Um, is your company not willing to upgrade it to premium? I mean, they will allow, but I'm saying on safer side, I mean, without any rejections, uh, uh, you know, uh, that is why I'm thinking uh, directly if we get that uh, FOA and then uh, uh, apply for premium, uh, would that give us additional guarantee that it will accept? So what would you be requesting in the FOIA request? Uh, for the uh, labor, right? Like, uh, because that's where... Oh, uh, I see. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, actually, I haven't heard of um, people trying that method, the FOIA request for the labor, because um, the whole backlog with upgrading to premium for these downgrade cases is that the original labor certification is still in USCIS's storage somewhere with your EB2 I-140 file. Okay. Um, even if you um, send in a FOIA request, um, I feel like it will, if you're asking them to provide to you the original um, PERM labor certification, mm -hmm. if it's taking them a long time to find it in, for purposes of adding it to your EB3 file, my guess is it will also take them a long time to find it for purposes of a FOIA request. Okay. Also, what you don't want is that maybe they're close to actually locating it and adding it to your EB3 file, and then it gets pulled for your FOIA request and it misses each other. Okay. Um, I haven't actually heard of that, of using a FOIA request to obtain that. Um, if people have been have done that successfully, then we'd like to hear about it. That would... Um, if it is faster through FOIA and then you just send in the actual original purple pages with the upgrade, it seems like that would that would work. Um, okay. I haven't actually heard of it um, being tried yet though. But otherwise, like we can directly upgrade to premium uh, after, I mean, I, I got receipt one month back so we can uh, start applying uh, premium now. Yeah. yeah, you can always start trying to send in the premium upgrade requests once you have the I-140 receipt notice. Uh -huh. um, it's just that there's no guarantee that they will accept it right away. There have been ones that we've tried sending in like six or seven times okay. over this year. Okay. And the other question what I was having is, uh, I was initially with employer A. Uh, at the time, my wife, uh, H4, was uh, valid till 
2022 october 2022 so then i moved to employer mm-hmm. b at that time we tra- tried to transfer h4 um, i mean to the new employer but uh, because of the fingerprint was there at that time so we missed that fingerprint and the h4 was denied okay. but another uh, uh, lawyer said that uh, the it's old fine. h4 is valid yeah. so it is fine now mm-hmm. again i moved back to the old employer uh, employer a itself so do i need to again uh, do any h4 extension or not required till next year uh, october it is valid yeah her h4 i94 is isn't employer specific the way that your h1b is so okay. as long as you're in valid h1b status then her h4 i94 is valid up until the end date on her okay. h4 i94 so if it doesn't match your h1b end date then you just need to make sure you keep track of hers and file the extension for her um when she is eligible to because it won't be you know at the same time as yours okay i can apply uh, now it's uh, less than one year and uh, her h4 ead is also expiring by that time so it uh if you are not filing in h1b for some reason at this time and if it's her filing the h4 and ead on her own separately from your mm-hmm. h1b then she can't file it until 180 days 6 6 months okay yeah. within 6 months okay okay yeah. sure yeah um okay so we'll have to end the conference here for today um our office is going to be closed the next 2 days for thanksgiving and then the next conference will be monday at 3:30 um my colleagues steven brown and ryan wilk will actually be in the call um, on monday afternoon Um thank you everyone and have So is Rahul ready on vacation uh, right now? Um yes he's traveling so he will be okay. back in early December. We are missing him a lot uh, yeah. actually without seeing him I'm I'm feeling like I'm missing something. <laughs> yeah he is yeah he is traveling but he will be back in early December. Okay yeah thanks. Okay happy Thanksgiving thank you. Yeah happy Thanksgiving yeah bye. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.